Welcome back to Split Decision. This week on episode 24, we're going to preview UFC Austin, Benil Dariush versus Armand Sarukian for this weekend. From there, we'll draft our top five Texas things. Then we'll huddle up for conference championship week with some college football matchups. And then week 13 of the NFL. And lastly, we'll jump back into Stakes and Takes, our betting segment where we give you our best advice for this week's matchups. But first, don't forget to like and subscribe and then head to splitdecisionpod.com where you'll find all of our recent podcasts, videos, top fives, and more. Again, that's splitdecisionpod.com. All right, let's go. All right, so let's jump ahead to UFC Austin, which is going to be this weekend, obviously in Austin, Texas, in what may be the best fight night card of the year. It has hopes. Could it be. has hopes for, on paper. At least like the top, the main card is like probably the best fight night main card you could hope for. A lot of good fights, a lot of interesting fights, a lot make, of fights where you don't know what's about to happen. Make or breaks for possible careers in the UFC. Make or breaks. A lot of guys looking... Can they make that next step? Can they stay at the top level? You're going to stay a contender. You rise in it to get a shot for the belt. What are you doing? Yeah, so let's jump into it. And we're going to start with what's going to be the main event. It's going to be Benil Dariush coming in winner out of his eight out of his last nine. Although he is coming off of a tough, tough, tough loss. First round loss. TKO, Charles Oliveira. A loss in which Benil Dariush says he wasn't in there. That was a different version of himself, which, of course... A lot of people say once they lose like that. Right. He's taking on a guy who's won, also won a lot, most of his last fights. Winner of seven out of his last eight, Armin Sarzukian. A guy, he's won two in a row, though. He, How do you think this fight's going? This one, th- this is challenging. Darush comes in one loss since 2018, like you said, only losing to Dubronx. Sarzukian has massive power, but he can also wrestle. He can submit you when he needs to. He's also durable. This is a hard one. I think you have Darush kind of gatekeeping the top five. I think we were talking before. Uh, Michael Chandler is obviously the fifth ranked in the lightweight division, but he's just kind of set to the side waiting for his Darush is one of those guys. He may, Did he hit his peak yet is the question. Was his peak like getting to the top five and he can't hang with the top level like we saw against Dubronx? Or is he a guy that's going to stay there and keep competing with the top five? I'm also very interested to see how Sarukian, for instance, competes in the top five of the lightweight because we've we've been talking heavily over the past couple months that you know the lightweight division is super stacked. It's filled with young talent. This is probably the first one, the first fight of all of the talented, very He's- talented lightweights that are getting their shot at He's one of the guys five. that a lot of people talk about him being only 27 and getting to this spot. So exactly as you said, is he ready for this? Is he going to be a legitimate lightweight top Big, five fighter, which we all say lightweight's probably the deepest division. Biggest question for Can me. Can he make that jump? Is And to make that jump for this specific contest, I think his wrestling defense needs to be top notch. Yeah, because Darius, he, he can stand with you on the feet. But, but he's going to be looking main, to not be hit by that power, I believe. His main and his main uh, advantage in a lot of these fights is his ground game. Is he's able to take guys down? He's able to control them. Can Sarzukian combat that? I think he can. I think, I think he can as well. I'm taking Sarzukian in this fight. I think he rises up to the level of the top five. Uh, yeah, I, I think agree. he gets an impressive win, a win that puts him probably not in title consideration yet, 
Yeah, that's kind of like a, pecking, a heavy pecking order for the title right now. I mean, he a win against Daryush, he's probably one, maybe two wins away from a title. Absolutely. I agree. He's. I believe he's going to win. I think the odds are kind of a slap in the face for Benil Daryush at plus 225. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought this is more like a minus 140. Yeah, like a toss-up. Yeah, but either way, we, we hopefully get what we want here with an Armand win. And let's move on to the co-main. That'll be... Late notice replacement, or kind of late notice, not a full camp notice. Jalen, the Tarantula Turner, taking on Bobby King Green. Replacing the guy he fought last and lost to last, and then Dan Hooker. Right, Dan Hooker broke his arm against Jalen Turner. And still be Jalen Turner. Still be Jalen Turner, and then just rebroke it like last week, week and a half ago. Really sucks, but Jalen Turner stepped in late notice. He's going to be taking on Bobby King Green. Props to him for that. These are two guys... Turner, Actually, as we said, coming off of a loss, he's lost two in a row, and he's taken on Bobby Green, who's won two in a row. They were supposed to make, or not they were supposed to, they tried to make this fight earlier, but uh, Jalen Turner turned it down. He said that they were from the same place, you know, from the same area. They, they didn't have beef like that. They didn't need to fight. But with a short notice, you know, attempt, they, they, they got to ask, and if you want to kind of stay in Dana's good graces, you say yes. This is a get, that, that is true. They always say the uh, best way to get on the UFC's good side is take a short notice fight. Right. Because you kind of save. You got to win, too. But you kind of save the. Uh, save the day on a. Save uh, the card and, like, you know, it's still a good card. Bobby, Bobby Green, Green, fourth fight this year. Right. I was going to say and he, he has hasn't a chance. lost yet. Yeah. He's won two in a row. He had the no contest against Jared Gordon where it headbutt. Yeah, but he's won two in a row. I mean, this he has a chance, a win right here. You win three times in a year, don't lose. I mean, he's right up there as one of the the highest risers in 2023 if he wins this fight. Yeah, especially somebody who, who kind of seemingly didn't care about a, a championship run. He seemed like one of those guys fun to watch, but like he doesn't take it serious yeah, enough th- to be like, I'm going to commit myself for a title. He seems to have turned a page. Right, and and it seems like, you know, we've talked about every week that the lightweight division's heating up. This is another one to add to the mix. No matter who wins this fight, you add them right back into the contention mix of they're going to be getting a top 10, top 5 opponent with a couple more wins themselves. And it goes without saying, as in every fight Jalen Turner fights at at the lightweight division, him coming at 6-3, he has a huge length advantage in this. Yeah. I think that's kind of the key to his victory. Bobby Green usually uses his length to to kind of strike from wherever he wants. I think Jalen Turner, with that and the ability to, you know, just kind of throw you to the ground wrestle you when he when you want to with that length advantage i think jalen turner is gonna win i agree too you don't always think of the the tall lean guys a guy with his build as a guy that has pretty good ground game but jalen turner is deadly on the ground right he can choke you out so let's move on to the next fight this is another fight i'm maybe the fight i'm looking forward to the most rob font taking on davison figueredo figueredo moving up to 135 after four straight title fights with Brandon Marino. I'm so happy that that's over. I'm so happy for both. I know Brandon's fought since then, but... And lost. He fought I, like and he, lost the belt. He can at least now kind of stand on his own and, like, regain some name by just fighting his own fights. But, yeah, fig, figure it. I'm so glad he's not fighting uh, Marino. New division. Can he move up and be as deadly and as elite as he was at 125? He's taking on Rob Font who is a big 135, so it's going to be interesting. A guy moving up, taking on one of the bigger 135s. Rob Font has a long reach. He's lost three out of his last four, but 
Those three losses are decision losses to Sanhagen, uh, Cheeto Vera, Jose Aldo, and his win is an impressive win against Adrian Yanez. I think Rob Font is going to be too big for Figueredo. I don't think Figueredo's power is going to be able to hurt Rob Font. I got Rob Font winning this fight. Brother, I think on that one, you just, you kind of gave me your swan song. And then I was reading my notes while you were talking. I wrote down that Rob Font is a versatile striker who has a very great output with his volume of strikes. And he's a durable fighter. With all that. He's going to be there the whole fight. Right. With all that, Figueredo could be there the whole fight. But I do, I got to change my answer. Initially, I came in thinking Figueredo was going to win. I got to go with Rob Font. I think the the output's going to be there, and I think that at the very least is going to earn him the, the decision victory. Yeah, it really is all going to come down to, does Davison Figueredo, because at 125, he was like the he was a monster. of the power. Right. Is his power going to be able to hurt these guys? Or is he going to be slower? Is he going to be slower? I, I, I'm think not gonna, I don't think he's going to be slower, yeah. but I don't think his, he's going to be able to hurt Rob Font. I agree. I think Rob Font is going to win this one. All right, so the... This isn't a rescheduled fight, but Sean Brady had staph infection on his elbow last time he was scheduled, so he had to get canceled out. Gasolum was also canceled for his last fight, had a, uh, an injury for the other opponent. So they're matching up this this weekend, Sean Brady versus Cal- Kelvin Gastelum. Brady coming off his first career loss at 15-1. Surprise. Over a year ago. TKO. Surprise got TKO by Bilal Muhammad, the decision king. TKO'd him for his first career loss. Hey, So look. it's interesting... Everybody's got their day. Mentally, can Sean, how is Sean Brady going to respond to that? It's been over a year. Has that been sticking with him for a year? Has he improved for a year? So that's something to look out for in this fight. I think you, I think on this one you you get I think you get a solid mix coming back from Sean Brady. I think walking into the cage he might face you know a little bit of ring rust, a little bit of nerves. But as soon as he gets hit a few times, I think he's going to kind of bounce back. Gasolum's been known for his power. You know, his ability to finish people. But like we were talking before, he's never been, like, really, like, on it. I think now he's in shape. Yeah, he seems to be in the best shape, taking it more. A lot like we just said of Bobby uh, Green. Although Bobby Green never had a problem being in shape. Gaslam seems to uh, be caring about it more, be more serious about it. I think Sean Brady rebounds well. I think he has what it takes to beat Gaslam. And I think he is going to beat Gasolum, but I think it's going to be by decision. I think that's kind of his key to victory is just not, you know, like that's why he lost to Bilal Muhammad. Is Bilal Muhammad, he kind of took the commentator's advice, you know, to win the fight is you got to let the hands go. And he did. Sean Brady likes to win by decision with his eight career decisions. He's won three times by KO in his career, but none in the UFC. Right. None in the UFC. He is the decision guy for the UFC, so I think he continues to win that way. I got Sean Brady winning, too, and I'm leaning towards decision. Kevin, Good fact, Kevin Gastelum, his last four fights in a row have gone to the scorecard. Seven out of his last eight fights total have gone to the scorecard. Damn. I think it's another one that goes to the scorecard, and I think Sean Brady's going to outpoint Kevin Gastelum. Yeah, like a 29-27 type fight, probably. All right, let's move on to the next fight. It's going to be Clay the Carpenter Guida, the 41-year-old vet who's been in the UFC since 2006. That's the burp king. If anybody's ever seen the guy who just burps in the UFC, this is him. 
He's taking on Joaquim Silva, Neto BJJ, the 34-year-old Brazilian. Uh, Joaquim Silva comes in 5-4 and four in the UFC. He's been in since 2015. He did lose his last fight, but it was to the guy in the main event, Sarzukian. Right. Uh, That's so, kind you know, of a uh, narrative they had going into this fight card is few of the fighters lost to Sarzukian coming in. Yeah, so that's not a bad loss to have. Silva, as we said, taking on the vet. Um, both guys have a lot of experience in the UFC. It just depends. Are you going with a guy who's been in the UFC for damn near 20 years or the guy that's been in the UFC for damn near 10 years? Yeah, th- this one's interesting. Clay Guida, he's he's very often the aggressor in his fights. I think that's kind of like his his method to victory. He comes at you with this crazy, unorthodox style that you know, gives him an advantage if you think you're just going in there to do a stand-up fight or if you think you're just going in there with a traditional game plan. He comes at you with all kind of crazy stuff. He'll throw some wild kicks, wild punches, uh, take try to take you down from weird positions. I think Silva in this one is going to be a little bit more poised. I think, I think he is going to get the victory. But I think... Silva is going to have to do what it takes to really find his place in the UFC. You know, he he hasn't had, you know, the the biggest test for his Muay Thai or Brazilian Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, I mean, he's five and four, so he's been kind of up and down. Right. I think this is going to really test him because Guida's, you know, Guida has fourteen submissions, seven KOs, and sixteen decisions. It's hard to put him out. You know, it's not impossible, but you actually got to fight the guy. Two interesting things. Guida, we said 2006, his first UFC event was UFC 64. Dang, double We're approaching digits. UFC 300, like in March. Right. That's, That's crazy. Uh, another interesting about Guida, interesting thing about Guida, his last six fights, he's alternated wins, losses. He lost his last fight. So that would tell you maybe he's in, in line for a win. Or maybe he breaks the, the... But I think he breaks the alternating streak. I think he gets two losses in a row. I got Silva winning this fight. I just think the age is going to be the factor. I know Guida, um, eventually, eventually, the age has got to catch up to you, especially yeah. in the sport like this. Yeah, where it's a brutal impact sport. And not that Silva's a spring chicken or anything, but I, I think Silva's going to get the dub. I agree with you there. All right, so now opening you know, the main card for UFC Austin... We have Punahile Storytime Soriano taking on Dustin Stoltzfus. Soriano is a powerful southpaw striker. He's kind of been rocky as of late. Uh, three losses in his last four fights. It's three and three in the UFC, so he's kind of been on a rocky road. Three and three, but all three of his wins won positive. All three of his wins are by KOTKO, so he's a guy Got the power. that gets finishes. Right. Stoltz. Stoltzfus. That's a. It doesn't look like a hard name to say, but it's kind of a tongue twister. The the Z Z L T F is throws it's you tough. off. It's kind of don't hard. see that too often. Uh, he has a Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu background. He's also had a rocky road in the UFC. One in four in the UFC. Yeah, it's one win, four losses. I think the winner of this fight is the one who gets a shot to stay in the UFC. I think the loser of this fight uh, will be cut. Sunday morning, Monday night. It's two guys that have taken a little while off, too. Uh, Soriano, his last fight was in January of this year. Stoltzfus, his last fight was in September of last year. Yeah, so if if you're not winning and you're also not not competing, that UFC can just sign another hungry fighter. 
Yeah, I'm taking the guy that has three UFC wins in this fight. I'm taking Soriano. Um, I, I agree. I think Soriano's going to win. I think he wins, and he, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he wins by a TKO KO. Kind of give him a an edge to keep his spot on the roster. I agree. Let's get it. All right, in honor of UFC Austin, our top five this week is going to be the top five Texas things. So it can be things about Texas. It can be things from Texas. Uh, as usual, very liberal, uh, very open top five. So our top five Texas things. And Alex, I think you have the first pick. I do, sir. And my first pick for the inaugural top five draft for this week will it be... It be inaugural. What? It wouldn't be inaugural. It's like our 26th top five. Yeah, well... It's the first time for the Texas. Whatever. Barbecue. I mean, that's a good pick. I think everybody, when you think Texas, that's got to be one of the top things that come to mind. Yeah, you get the the good Texas barbecue ribs. Brisket. Brisket's the big thing. Brisket. Barbecue brisket. You get a glizzy. I mean, who doesn't like... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't like barbecued glizzies? Who doesn't like barbecue? Right, it's pretty great. And Texas, and Texas can do it right. Yeah, they probably have the best overall barbecue. Yeah. They also have, like, the, probably the most restaurants. So even if they have a few bad ones, I'm sure they have, like, 12 good ones to, to kind of suffocate out that one. So barbecue's a good pick. My 1-1, one, one, I'm also going to go food. I'm going to go one that um, often people think of Mexican food, but they think of this, which is Tex-Mex. That's the Americanized version of Mexican food. It's probably like the best. It is. It's one of the most universally liked uh, genres of food. And everywhere, probably in the country, has decent Tex-Mex. Yeah, it's easy to do. Uh, as you said, it's everywhere. Any, You can go to big cities. You can go to small towns in America. Like, dude, Tex-Mex even, is, is like going to be one of the top three restaurants in that town. Even like fast food Tex-Mex is like somewhat decent. Exactly. So Tex-Mex, my number one, um, obviously a Texas thing. I mean, that's half of the name. Right. Texas Mexican food is really what it means. So Tex-Mex, my number one. My number two, this is where things... The rubber meets the road. Yeah, things can really go in a lot of directions. I think based on your next pick is going to kind of tell me where I need to take So my, my number two is going to be football. Texas football. Texas and football are synonymous with each other. Texas has the best high school football probably in America. The, the some of the most crazy football fans. Football is life in Texas. Okay. Friday night lights the movie, Texas. The Dallas Cowboys probably the most famous NFL team, Texas. Texas Longhorns. I mean, they have million dollar high school football stadiums, not just a couple in Texas. Like every county, every school has a million dollar stadium. It really hurts me that that you're able to say that and I can't argue with it because saying football is a lot like saying Texas. Yeah. They're synonymous with each other. It pisses me off that you're able to say it because you, you like so many things you just said could just be single things on the list. And it's like, you just checked tick, check, 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 check. It's like, fuck, I don't have a list anymore. What am I to do? Well, that's why I'm glad I had this pick. So my number two pick is football. Oh, there's more where that came from, sir. Good pick. Um, 
Man. So Tex-Mex and football. I got barbecue. I think I'm going to go with Cowboys. Oh, I had that one. I had Cowboy culture, but yeah, same yeah, thing. Like not, you know, not Dallas Cowboys, but like Cowboys, you know, ranch ranchers. I mean, that's a good pick. You know, it's definitely one of those things that's synonymous with Texas. When you think Texas, you think like old Western Cowboys. Right, like um, John Wayne and, and all those Even types. though a lot of it's probably not even like, it's more like just the West in general. You just think Texas comes to mind when you think of that. Right, right, absolutely. My number three, I, I've been trying to think of how I wanted to word this, and I'm kind of happy I got it at number three, but one of my favorite things about Texas is the gun pride. Oh, I didn't have that on my list, but I don't know how I didn't. Right. It's a great one. I, I was trying to think of how to, I kind of wrote it down as just guns, but I think gun pride or like second amendment, I don't know how you would word it, but something like that. Gun pride is probably what I'll go with. But I like that one. Uh, gun pride being my third. You can't take a Texan's guns. That's when Texas is no longer a United State. <laughs> I agree. That's a good pick. I mean, guns and Texas are synonymous with each other. Uh, right. You can't, and you also can't think about guns without thinking about Greg Abbott, especially lately. You know, it's pretty crazy. Him in that wheelchair? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good pick. That's a good pick. So that was your number three pick? Number three pick. Yes, sir. So my number three pick is going to be another broad thing. It's going to be the Texas landscape. Texas has everything you could hope for. It has desert. It has the hill country. It has big cities. It has beaches. I mean, it has cactuses, it has plains, has canyons. It's like a whole world has rivers. in the state. Yeah, yeah, it's the Texas landscape is beautiful. Uh, so much variety. Uh, such a big state. So Texas landscape is one, my number three pick. One time I left, um, left here actually, drove 13 hours from here and just directly west into Texas. I was wearing shorts, of course, because it's never really cold. And by the time we got to where we were going in Texas, it was snowing, and there were mountains around us. Or at least they looked like mountains. It was it was crazy. Was that... No, you have a fourth pick, right? So I have a fourth pick. I'm trying to decide what it is. We have so many places we can go. So many good picks. So many good options. My number four pick is going to be... NASA in the Space Center. I have that on my list. Based in Houston. I mean, the most, when you think space, you think of the quote, Houston, we have a problem. For some reason, that's what always comes to mind. You want to know why? Yeah, because the command center's in Houston. Right. I know why. Okay, good. Houston, Texas. I you, mean, you'd lose the pick if you didn't know that. They have a baseball team named after them. Right. Houston specifically is known as like Space City and like where NASA. I don't think they're technically based there, but they have a huge space center there. Right. And a lot of their operations, at least back in the day, were there. They have a lot of office operation there now. So I think NASA in the space center, I think that's synonymous with Houston, which is obviously Texas. Uh, so the NASA space center. I like that. I like that. I've also been kind of toying with my fourth pick. NASA was actually going to be my fourth pick. I was hoping you didn't say that. Um, biding my time, I was trying not to make any any references towards outer space or anything. Um, but I think for my fourth pick, I gotta go with the Alamo. 
It's a historical like place. It, I'll let you do your point first. We, you know, it, obviously, you know, it's not a, a great battle in any sense. That's the thing. We lost. Right. But it's historically We're not a country significant. Of losers. It's historically significant. I heard it's one of the most underwhelming land, like uh, landmarks been? you can go to. I've never been. Oh, yeah. You went to school somewhere else. See, we went as a field trip. And it's like a fucking 7-Eleven. Pretty much. <laughs> but I like, as one of the things that we didn't just cover up about our history, we took the L, we took it on the chin, and we moved I'd rather us covered it up. Or yeah, we do that. talk about we it. We do that a lot. Just a, don't talk about it. We do that a lot. So I'll pick the Alamo as my fourth pick. Top Texas thing. It's definitely synonymous with Texas. Well known. And for my last pick, I think I'm going to take the Australian Shepherd. It was bred in Austin. <laughs> it's not even named off after them. It was uh, created. The breed was created in Austin. Yeah, this is a reach. This is a bad pick. I'm sorry. Oh, whatever. The Australian Shepherd is the fifth best team. Thing about yeah, Texas. dude, it's a dog, and it's a I smart. I would associate dog. a golden retriever or a retriever more than all. Well, it's nah. not your choice. Australian Lame Shepherd pig. is a breed from Austin, Texas. Great dog, smart dog, made for herding cattle. Definitely a Texas thing on their ranches. So Australian Shepherd, top five, fifth top texas thing all right so i got one more pick i have a lot of ways i can go with this i'm not sure where to go there's a lot of options so i'm gonna throw a couple things out there a couple i'm just gonna tell you what i'm thinking like an honorable mention i'm gonna pick i'm thinking ranches thinking freedom i'm thinking oil got that got that got that thinking hank hill got that dr pepper got that I have Arlen. <laughs> I put King of the Hill slash Hank Hill. Right. I think I'm going to go with the top podcast in the world. Good. I think I'm going to go with the Joe Rogan Experience, a podcaster that influenced us, inspired us, no doubt, inspired many, probably most of the successful <laughs> podcasts right now. Yeah, I'd imagine, especially during COVID. Based in Austin now, he loves Texas. Even though he's not from there and he just moved there, he kind of uh, symbolizes what Texas is about. Freedom, guns, free thinking. Yeah, do what you want to do as long as it's not affecting somebody else. Exactly. So I think Joe Rogan experience is going to be my fifth best Texas thing. What's your top honorable mention? I mean, I think I got to go ranches, oil, king of the hill, six flags, Dr. Pepper. My top honorable mention that was unmentioned in the entire draft gotta be that everything's bigger. I thought about that too. Kind of the quote, everything's bigger. I also thought about uh, Chuck Norris, Walker, Texas Ranger. I have that written down. I also have Derek Lewis and American Pride or Texas Pride. I put Freedom. Right. Oh, you know what? Another good one. Their roads. Their roads. Oh, yeah. Their roads are great. They have great smooth roads, highways. The Bush family. The Bush family. <laughs> I put Jerry World in Astrodome. There you go. Rodeo's H- bull riding. H-E-B. Yep, yep. Willie Nelson, live I, so music. I didn't take so there's any, a lot of good ones. I didn't take any football picks because you put... I had Friday Night Lights and high school football, but then you kind of got a good catch-all with just football. 
So yeah, it's a good props pick. to you. So to recap, my number one was Tex-Mex food. My number two was football. Three, the landscape. Four, NASA. And five, the Joe Rogan experience. And my number one was barbecue. Number two was cowboys. Three was gun pride. Four was the Alamo. And five was the Australian Shepherd. Blue 42 said, hut. Let's jump into NCAA Conference Championship Week. And we're going to start off Friday night, Pac-12 Championship, the last year of the Pac-12 before both of these teams moved to the Big Ten. It's the number five playoff-ranked Oregon Ducks, number three Washington Huskies, for what really comes down to a spot in the playoffs. Uh, the rematch, Washington barely edged out Oregon in uh, Seattle earlier this year. Can Oregon get revenge? Despite the loss, Oregon comes in nine-and-a-half-point favorites over Washington. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, but I I get it. They've I, been playing a lot better than Washington since that game, really. Yeah, I was gonna. I've been trying to find the word, and I just realized the word I was trying to tell you about what happened to Michael Penix last week. He got exposed. That was what I was trying to say. Not that he's he did anything inherently bad, but that they can't move the ball through the air to against an inferior team. Prove to me it was rivalry week, so you can kind of throw, you know, Washington. Washington State's usually a close game, no matter how good the teams are. Two hundred and four passing yards with one touchdown through. But hey, the they air. keep winning and they haven't lost yet. I think this is the time Oregon Ducks wins the game. I agree with you. I think Oregon's the hotter team. They're the team that if you watch them, if you Look, put on the tape and watch them play football, you're like. That's a good fucking team. Right. And not, I think and not they to have the say momentum. Anything. Despite Washington being 12 and 0, which is crazy to say. Right. And and I know I'm saying not necessarily bad things about Michael Penix, but not saying like, whoa, he's going to win. Bo Nix has done very well this season protecting I mean, the ball. Between Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels, pretty much for the number Heisman. Number one offense for in the, Heisman. And number one offense in, 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 college, in football. college football. I think the Ducks' defense holds up and they win the game. I think if Michael Penix throws more than two touchdowns, I think Washington wins the game. I think Oregon gets this dub outright, but I'm not sure if they cover the nine and a half. Uh, that nine and a half is scary, and I, I'm a not a huge site, fan of the 66 and a half point spread or the 66 and a half point over under either. Yeah, because Washington lately has been a low under scoring team, team and the, I think in this type of matchup, similar to rivalry week. I think the Ducks are going to play to the I mean, competition. They're two rivals too, yeah. So I agree the Ducks are going to win. I'm kind of feeling like an under and Washington covering. So we're both on Oregon right there. Let's move on to the first big game of Saturday. I think this is at 11 a.m. It's the Big 12 championship game. It's the last year Texas in the Big 12 before they jump to the SEC. And this number seven ranked Texas Longhorns taking on number 18 Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has been one of the most roller coaster teams they have big leads they blow big leads they're down by a lot they come back they beat teams they're not supposed to beat they lose to teams they're not supposed to lose to oklahoma state's a complete wild card in this game texas one of the most impressive resumes in college football there's a good chance that they win this game and we're big 12 champs they get in the playoffs did i read that one. correctly when texas hasn't been conference champs since 2009 that is correct so they'll get it right before they go somewhere and then else they'll jump into the sec yes. oh and they'll never win in the sec oh uh, we say that but there's a chance 
that Texas brand, it's the biggest brand in college football. Jump into the SEC, the biggest. Oh, kind of gets recruiting. They get It'll recruiting help. power a lot. Um, okay, fair. Um, I think this is going to be a close game. Texas, 14 and a half point favorites. I think, I think it's going to be closer than that. I do have the Longhorns, though, I think. I think they're the hotter team. They had the one stumble against Oklahoma, but that's a rivalry uh, in the middle of the season. Like, so you can, those teams just play each other different. Right. Uh, Texas, I mean, Texas player has been playing good. They beat Ollie the Gordon, shit out of Texas Tech last week. Ollie Gordon, he's like the third ranked running back in the nation. Going up against Texas's defense, they haven't allowed more than like 85 yards per game to running backs. So if all that plays, and look, we're it's not like we're week three into the season. We're at conference championship week. I think those stats matter. We know matter. what these teams are. Right. Yeah. I th- that's why I'm saying it kind of like that. I think those stats matter. I think Texas has shown all season that they're going to stop the run, which is the Cowboys' biggest, you know, kind of avenue to themselves. I think the Longhorns are going to win. I agree with you. I don't know about that 14.5-point spread, but I agree that minus 700 money line is going to hit this Saturday. All right, so let's move on to the SEC title game. I think this is the— Is this the biggest one? I wouldn't say the biggest. I think biggest brand-wise, this year may not be the biggest because I think Oregon-Washington just three versus five because those are guaranteed winner that goes to playoffs. But Georgia-Alabama, these teams have been the two best teams besides LSU every once in a while the past like two, three years. Georgia-Alabama have been the two most consistent teams in the SEC. Georgia, the two-time defending champ, obviously. Georgia has won 29 games straight. Yeah, coming undefeated. Nuts. Two straight titles, and they're taking on Alabama, who say what you want about the Crimson Tide. They're figuring out ways to win. They should have lost last week to Auburn. Lucky to get the dub, but they a fourth and goal from the 31. I was going to say fourth and 31. With like, with like a minute left, and they score. I mean, that was just an all-time Auburn blow in that game. Oh, God. Uh, but look, but because Bulldogs- of that, Bama still has a chance. If they beat Georgia, it could very well be a top-four playoff team. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a, a huge upset. Even though the odds don't say it, it's a plus one eighty money line for the. That Alabama just shows you the respect time. Alabama and Nick Saban get in any kind of and championship they game. It. Yeah, I mean, because for the past fifteen years they've been the standard in college football. Georgia obviously has won two titles the past two years, but but before that, when it's been Alabama, right? So Alabama's good. The offense has been very shaky all year. The defense has allowed points they typically don't in a you know, historic Nick Saban season. But going along with that, Georgia has been the same kind of team. I think Georgia plays with their opponent too. When they play teams right. that aren't that good, they're going to beat them, but but just by a little bit. When they play a team like Alabama, they're going to come out probably one of their best games of the year. I think Georgia rolls in this. Six-point favorites. I believe that's going to happen. I think the Bulldogs win by about 10. Right. I think we're going to get six-point favorites. The Bulldogs are top 10 in most categories on offense and on defense. I think they're going to do well enough what it takes to beat Nick Saban and continue their unbeaten streak. I think they're on their way to probably a third straight title. I believe that's accurate as well. That's probably a future I should place in the coming weeks. All right, so let's move on to now the Big Ten Championship game. The number two Michigan Wolverines coming off probably the biggest win of the season in all of college football by beating Ohio State. What's happening with the Big Ten next year? Big Ten's just adding teams. So they're okay. adding Oregon and Washington, actually. So Okay, so I, that's good. I watched. Big Ten's going to get stronger. Good, I like that. Okay, They're taking on the Iowa Hawkeyes, 10-2. and two. This may be the worst 
10 and 2 offense I've ever seen in my life. They're this averaging team, 204 yards of offense per game. They're barely scoring points. Their defense is so good, they're winning games. It's crazy. Uh, I think a one sided team, like this is like a UFC fighter that can only wrestle and can't strike or vice versa. And they're taking on a well rounded guy. I think Michigan, they have better talent, they're more well rounded. Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game is going to roll over Iowa. 23-point favorites. But listen to this stat. But to beat them by 23 points, they only had to score like 31 points. Right. Iowa's defense is a top 10 defense across the league all year. Okay? They've only allowed 12 points per game, which is nuts. It's crazy. And they only allow four yards per play. It's legitimately one of the best defenses in the country, if not the best. But to say that they're, you know, 23 and a half point dog, I, I don't still even believe let up 23 points in a game. Right. That just tells you what Vegas is thinking. Yeah, it's like, oh man, this is going to be bad. I mean, you have a money line of minus 25. Michigan might score 24 points and cover and just be it done. It could be 24 0. Yeah. Like, and that would be a hard fought game for Iowa. Exactly. So I think Michigan's going to win. I think the only way that the Hawkeyes win is that they play absolutely perfect. And they got to score like twice on defense. Right. It's got to be like touchdown. one pick six and a fumble recovery for like a touchdown a or something. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just got to be some crazy stuff to happen. And the defense has to do what they've been, you know, putting together all season. So we agree on the first four games. I think we disagree on this one though. The ACC championship gave the undefeated Florida state Seminoles. Look, Come- I got to go with our hometown hero. Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman. And they're taking on Louisville Cardinals, 10-2. Louisville having a dream season until last week they lost to their in-state <laughs> arch-rival, Kentucky, who's not even having a good season. Right. It's like a slap in the face when you lose, when you're the better team and you just get beat. It was an SEC-ACC game, so non-conference, but it's a tough way to go into championship week. But they're taking on a Florida State team who, since I know it's been one and a half games, one and three quarter games since Jordan Travis got hurt, but their offense is not the same. Dude, Tate Them Rodenmaker against, got absolutely demolished last week. With I a thought they were about hit. to lose the Flor- the Florida Gators and give Billy Napier a bowl game. They but almost instead, did. They were down twelve zero. They almost did, but uh, Florida State. I think Jordan Travis. This is a game Florida State for sure. If they win thirteen and no ACC champs, they're in the playoffs. Right. But it's like, can they win this game? And if they win this game. That's going to be the team everybody wants to play in the playoffs because they are not the same without Jordan Travis. Yeah, Jack Plummer for uh, Louisville, he has to protect the football. They have a chance here to just let the defense play the game and let Jack Plummer manage the game on offense, and they can win the game. They can. They have a very real chance with the way Florida State. But he cannot throw an interception. If he throws it, if he if he's mishandles the ball, throws interceptions, and you know just is somewhat careless. FSU's gonna find a way to win. They're that good around the around every other position that they can compensate for not having Jordan Travis, at least for this game. I think Louisville gets the upset. I think I think they you're lost crazy. To, I think they lost to Kentucky because they were probably although it was a rivalry game, they're looking forward to this. They're gonna come out hard week of practice. They're gonna be the FSU team that knows they're not as good without Jordan Travis. I think Louisville gets a close win, gets the upset. The only real upset, I think, of conference championship week, and that's going to throw everything into the fray in terms of who gets that fourth spot. Because you would and assume you know Oregon it's going to be in. Alabama. Well, Alabama's got to win, though. Texas oh, that's true. could get it. 
Uh, Oregon, Ohio State is still in it. That'd be crazy. So but I Georgia, mean, if I mean, if Georgia wins, beats beats Alabama, I can't see them not winning for a third time. No I mean, matter Michigan's who they good, give, Michigan's a good team. They're number two. But you can't have Harbaugh, right? No, he's. It's just the last three games. He's back this week. Oh, so he wasn't even like they were all like crying about it. He barely got even. Well, I mean, it was the biggest game of the year, right? But they still won. Well, yeah, hindsight twenty twenty. They're like, oh, cool, yeah, do who whatever. Do you, have do you have Florida State winning this game? Yeah, I think Florida State's winning this game. So it'll be interesting to see how college football goes this week. When we talk next, we'll know who the four teams are in the playoffs. We'll know who's going to be playing for the national championship. The four teams playing for it. That's super exciting. So it'll be super exciting. Let's move on to the NFL now. We got Seahawks at Dallas Cowboys. Thursday night. So we don't we covered Thursday last week, I think, for the first time. Yeah, and being I, Thanksgiving. It was easier than I thought. It so. was easier than I thought. And I Honestly, looking at the slate, this is one of the best games of the week. Yeah, Six Dallas and, favored by nine. Dallas favored by nine, which is surprising in the NFL. It's a big, big spread, especially Seattle six and five. Dallas eight and three. So it's not like Seattle is a, a bullshit game. Did you want to hear a crazy stat? Seattle coming off of a bad loss too. Dak Prescott, zero and three to Seattle in the regular season in his career. That's a, that is a strange stat. He I will beat say, twenty eighteen wild card. Uh, game he beat the Seahawks. That's the only time he's beaten the Seahawks. So he's officially one in three, but that's still crazy because they haven't been good his whole career. In both teams, an interesting thing Thursday night you always talk about the late, like the short notice, right? But both teams played last Thursday too on Thanksgiving Day. So oh, yeah, it they is, did. It is like a full week. It's a regular week for these guys. Um, Dallas blew out the Commanders. They right. look one of their best games of the year, like all around good games. Yeah, they Seattle, had the defense. Dallas was working on offense, kind of got everybody in the mix. Seattle had the exact opposite game. They got dominated and blown out by the 49ers last Thursday. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Usually in the NFL, when that happens, both teams play dramatically different the next week, and you would think Seattle would come in and kind of right. beat Dallas pretty good. Now that I'm saying that, I'm a little worried. But listen, because that might happen. But I think Dallas is the better team. I think Dallas gets to win. I think this Dallas team, I'm not saying they're winning the Super Bowl because I don't think so. But I think they're a little different than usual. They're kind of for the first time in a while. I think just because how good the Eagles are doing and Taylor Swift and the Chiefs. Dallas is kind of flying under the radar. Nobody's, yeah, they're, they're, they're playing not being that, talked that about Baltimore as much, Ravens which is good card. for them. Right. They don't they don't need hype. And the, you know, what they also don't need. They don't need to have to rely on their quarterback. Let the defense talk. Dallas has been absolutely <laughs> dominant at home. And I think, honestly, with their one of the best defenses in the league, Seattle isn't scoring a bunch of offensive touchdowns. In the last, like, four games, they've scored three. Dallas scores a couple touchdowns. They can win this game. They can put it away. I believe Dallas is going to win. So we both got Dallas. Let's move on to Sunday now. And we're taking on maybe the hottest team in the NFL. I think they have the longest winning streak in the Denver Broncos. It's crazy to think that Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos are the hottest team in the NFL right now. Well, remember at the beginning of the season, they started off horrible, horribly. They went 2-1, and, and they've... No, I think they went... Uh, I think well, they, they went 2-1, and then they lost four in a row. <laughs> and they let up 70 points to the Dolphins. People were talking about Sean Payton washed. Obviously, Russell Wilson washed. All of a sudden, they've turned it around. They've looked pretty good. This yeah. is a good team. 
and they're right in the playoff mix, and they're taking on one of the surprising teams in the NFL in the Houston Texans, going to Houston. Houston, three-and-a-half-point favorites, both teams six and five, both teams right in that playoff push. First uh, in passing yards per game, C.J. Yeah, Stroud. C.J. Stroud, which is so impressive for a rookie, especially considering— The Panthers passed you, I was on about you. to say, how do you think that—I like Bryce Young, and I think he's going to be a good quarterback, but that's tough to see. But, the, I mean, honestly, what do you say? Like, the Panthers went for the Alabama quarterback. It kind of, you know, they got the M.O. of being great. So, I I kind of get it. Yeah, but Bryce was supposed to be different. He was, like, the first one. And you say that, but Jalen Hurts is good. Right. Um, but, yeah, Denver, last week, dominated Cleveland Browns. Obviously, the Browns without an offense because they don't have Deshaun Watson anymore. Right. But Denver dominated them. Houston, tough, tough loss with the— I think it was a 56-yard field goal to tie it at the end. In the rain. In the, Well, it was in Houston. I don't know if it was raining. Was it? It hit the post, though. It hit oh, the I crossbar. thought it was raining. Hit the crossbar. They were so close to sending that game to overtime. A tough loss for the Texans. How does a young team like the Texans respond after a tough loss like that? I'm not sure. But I put my faith in Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. I think the Broncos go into Houston. I think they continue their hot streak. I think the Broncos get the dub. Look, I I was going to kind of switch my thing and agree with you on this one as well. I think the Texans are going to respond well. I think the Broncos have been they've been winning but they haven't been great all season. They haven't had consistent playmakers. I they've, don't know. They've been pretty good. They beat the shit out of the Chiefs. They had a good win last week. It, it just hasn't been like a full force showing. I think the Texans are going to do what they need to do here. Both teams have been allowing points. So I think being, you know, the number one passing offense in the NFL, I think the Texans are going to be able to win this game. All right, so the next game, it's going to be a team coming off of a huge, big win. Big win as in they dominated the game, taking on a team that's coming off of a game that they got dominated. And surprisingly, the 7-4 Browns got dominated, and the 5-6 and six L.A. Rams dominated a team. Well, I um, mean, that makes sense with Watson being out for the year. That does make sense. The Rams seem to be a team, though. They're maybe starting to figure things out a little bit. They still have Matt Stafford. They still have some talent. Stafford did throw for four touchdowns last week. They're right. If you look at the NFC playoff picture, 5-6 and six is right there. Like, they're a game out of the playoffs. This is a team that has still has a lot to play for against the Cleveland Browns, although they have a 7-4 and four record. As you said, Deshaun Watson hurt. Yeah, They back, probably don't believe this, but that kind of, like— Back surgery. That kind of—he's out for the season, like— they wouldn't. Nobody from the Browns would admit this, but like, yeah, your see, like, it's your done. season's not done, but like, it's you're not done. winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's done. So now, yeah. when your backups are PJ Walker and what is Dorian his name, Dorian Thomas Robinson, right? And DTR. he's got a, he's in concussion protocol. Yeah, he's so who's even going to start this week? So I guess it's PJ uh, Walker. Stafford threw four touchdowns last week. Honestly, I I don't know what it is. How you can go from being a Super Bowl winning team. To just falling. I mean, your team's pretty much the same, and you just are not. Well, they're just getting older. That's the NFL. I think they get the dub, though, here. I think at home against the Browns, I think the Rams get the win, go to 6-6, six and six, get some, continue their momentum. I think the Rams may be a playoff team. They could be a surprise playoff team. I agree the Rams are going to win, but I think they need to get Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup involved way more on offense if they're going to be that 
flashy team to get to the playoffs again. But yeah, I agree. The Rams probably going to win this game. All right, so let's move on to probably the best game of the weekend. I don't know. Best game of the weekend, probably the two best teams in the NFC. It's the 10-1 and Eagles hosting the 8-3 49ers somehow at home. 10-1 and Eagles are three-point underdogs. I've said this before, and this is the hill I'm going to die on now. I looked at the injury report today. Almost everybody and everybody that matters on the 49ers roster is healthy. They're going to win this game because a healthy 49ers team can win the Super Bowl. And I believe that the brotherly shove, the tush-push, whatever you want to call it, ain't going to work when you got the triple threat CMC, you got Debo who can run the ball or catch a pass. You know what Ayuk can do. Purdy's been consistent. What I agree with you. I originally had the Eagles, but I think I picked the Bills last week. And then look week. what the Eagles did last week. Well, I mean, the Bills are a good team just playing bad. Like, when they play their, up to their par, like, they're right up there. Right. But they want, they had to win the game in overtime. The yeah, game but started. the Bills are one of the most talented teams in the NFL. Right. And the 49ers I think the are Eagles, better. I think the Eagles are just a little, um, they're due for a loss. And it would feel good. I... I think the Eagles do for a loss. I like the 49ers. I think, as you said, when they're healthy. I originally had Philly, but I think I'm going San Francisco. Uh, I don't know how close the game. I don't, I don't know about the three-point spread, but I think the 49ers get the win. Yeah, the, the three-point spread's rough. It, I think it's not that the Eagles are bad. Obviously, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. They're probably the best team at this point. The, the thing, I think, is that they do... They they have the whole it's and if it ain't broke don't fix it mentality which is great. You bet we say that, but they've beaten like two of the best teams in the NFL the past two weeks. I think people are just starting to starting to realize how to play. If them. they go three and if they win this game, that means the last three games they beat the Chiefs, the Bills, yeah, the three and the Forty ers Right. That's super impressive. But you still got to face them all again in the playoffs potentially. I think somehow the Niners get the dub. And the last game we're going to cover for the NFL this week, I think it's the Sunday night game, the Kansas City Chiefs, 8-3. and three, The team, they're still there. No matter yep. what you say, they're still there. And they're, honestly, if I had to bet money right now, I would bet them to win the Super Bowl. It's crazy that they're just always just hanging around. Going to Green Bay, taking on the 5-6 and six Packers, the Packers, one of the, also a team that's very hot in the NFL, right in the playoff picture in the NFC. Two of the most storied franchises, two of the oldest franchises in football. I, I don't even know why we're why we're ever counting out the Chiefs. Well, nope, I've never counted them out. The, but like the narrative is like they're not going to be good. It's like it's like they're eight and three. Where are you, where do you see that they're that not going to be good? As good, soon as you get Travis Kelsey involved, they're good. As soon as you let Patrick Mahomes do his, it's like you don't think they're going to figure that out by January, like they yeah, always do. Like, come on. Let them lose a few games. They always do. Let them let them learn how the loss feels, and they're gonna come back and be like, "Yeah, we don't like that." Yeah, we're coming. Just like win. last week, it looked like they lost. Coming off of a loss, they fell down 14-0 on the road to the Raiders. And what did they do? Thirty-one seventeen. Yeah, thirty-one to three run. They dominated after that. Yeah, the Chiefs are a good team. Probably the best team. Probably the favorite still to win the Super Bowl. I think they go into Green Bay. Green Bay, and. They end this Packer momentum 
they kind of put the Packers back into place. I think the Packers played very well last week. Yeah, Jordan but they Love played, played better than they actually are. Right. Jordan Love played near perfect last Chiefs week. Chiefs put them in their place. Stunning the Lions. But if you look at the back half of the game, the Lions almost came back and won that game. Exactly. When if you're the Aaron Rodgers replacement, you need to put up 38 points on the Lions to show them that you can just continue, not that you're going to be caught up to and almost beaten deep into the fourth quarter. But I think the Chiefs are going to win as well. I think they're probably going to cover that six-and-a-half-point spread, but I think it's going to be a fun, interesting game. Welcome back to Stakes and Takes. Let's get into this betting recap. I went 7-1 and one on college football last week. I only got Ohio State wrong. Christian, how did you do? Same. I think we had the same exact picks. So I got all... Ohio State wrong. I'm mad about it. Only because I was rooting for Michigan in the game. Oh, so you're just mad you picked? I'm mad I picked Ohio State because I was... Oh, so you're just mad at yourself. Yeah. Oh. I'm mad at myself. I'm for happy not... Michigan won. I'm okay. happy... We got that one wrong because I was going for Michigan. I don't like Ohio State. I don't like their coach. So, yeah. Sounds like you just flipped, but yeah, that's fine. But I didn't change it. Yeah, right. Well, I guess there's that. Uh, NFL, I went pretty good. I went 6-2. and two. I lost on the Lions and the Saints. Uh, Lions got stunned by the Packers. It's kind of upsetting. 24-22, um, to I think. And the Falcons beat the Saints, which was kind of wild. Uh, how did you do in NFL? I went three and five. I did bad. I lost the same two you did. Three and five? I lost the same two you did. Wow. Every last minute decision I made last week. I was switching to Tampa Bay. Yeah. Switching to uh, the Bills. The Bills. Because I originally had those other teams. And then I kind of did the Chargers the same way. I just thought, it was like, why? It was time pick, for a loss. Why did I pick the fucking Chargers to oh. beat the Ravens? I don't know. Three and five. Not a great week. So I went 10 and six overall. So that means you went 13 and 3? 13 and 3. It was a good week for me. Yeah. yeah. It's a good week for you. Honestly, 10 and 6, if that's my bad week, I'm cool with it. But I'm disappointed in some of my picks. Disappointed in myself. How about your uh, your bets? You had uh, you had some college football bets, right? Yeah. I went 3 and 2 overall in bets. 1 and 1 in college football. Again, I picked Ole Miss, but I picked Ohio State. Why did I pick Ohio State bet? I don't know. I wasn't going for them. That was just dumb of me. Yeah, how'd you do in college football? I went four and or four and one overall. I went uh, one and one in college football as well. I got Tulane right, picked them for the money line. Yeah, over shout the, out uh, Tulane, Louisiana school, UTSA Roadrunners, um, and then I also lost Ohio State with you against Michigan. I does do I does not have the same thoughts, sir. I do have not the same thoughts as you on Ohio State. I wanted them to win. I was not. Pissed. I was. I was pulling like i was happy michigan won then i looked at my picks and bets and i was like oh shit like damn it yeah that's um, funny my nfl bets i went two and one should have been three and oh the bills should have won that game against the eagles that was one of my the bet i lost was oh, the bills money line my bad i had three uh three college bets i had the over of the lsu game as well, well there and you go we over knew that 66 was six and a half points oh uh, so yeah i had the bills lost but then i had the niners and the chiefs winning money lines both of them won pretty easily, so I'm happy with that. Three and two overall bets. Yeah, I took the opposite of your Bills pick. That was one of the ones where you did the uh, last-minute switch. I picked the Eagles to win that game. Um, it took to overtime, but then, you know, the the non-clutchness of the Bills paid off. 
and the Ravens won over the Chargers, which I think that was pretty much assumed at that point. I, I was pretty happy with it. Uh, but moving into this week, we got, you know, each five, you know, five new stakes to make. Five new stakes, but let's start with our upset of the week. All right, what's your upset of the week? So my upset, this is the first time my upset of the week is not uh, one of my bets. Mine too. So I'm taking the ACC championship game. I'm taking the Louisville Cardinals to beat the Florida State Seminoles as my upset of the week. Nice. Upset of the week will be your Louisville Cardinal money line. What's the odds on that? Is like plus 200, plus 190? Uh, actually, plus 114. 114. Oh, more kind of a toss-up. But I, I get why, why it's close because they lost their quarterback. FSU yeah, lost their they're quarterback. they're not the same without Jordan Travis. Right. Uh, my upset of the week, I'm actually going to take the Carolina Panthers. Well, it's not a game we're covering this week, but I don't have a, a big game that I like uh, that I'm not already making a bet on. So I'm taking Carolina Panthers against the Buccaneers. Panthers money line. It's a plus 200 line. Upset of the week there. I mean, I could see the Bucks not winning that game, but I just don't believe in the Panthers enough to bet on them. But that's why it's our upset of the week. Uh, so for my bets this week, I got two MMA, two college, and one NFL. I have two MMA, one college, and two NFL. So my two MMA bets. I got the Soriano money line minus 265 in the main card opener to beat Stoltzfus. And I got the Rob Font money line minus 130 to beat Davis and Figueredo. So it only took an hour, but you finally figured out how to say Stoltzfus. Oh, me too. Nice. Good. Um, that's good. I actually think Soriano is going to win as well. Um, I switched my stuff last second. So I actually also put a money line bet on Rob Font. Uh, I think he's going to win. I think you kind of convinced me in your argument earlier on in the episode. But I also um, put a bet on Sean Brady money line. I think he's going to go in. I think he's going to handle Kelvin Gastelum uh, after his wild TKO loss to Bilal Muhammad. All right, so my two college bets. I got two NCAA bets. I got the Oregon Ducks money line, minus 355. I don't... I get why Oregon's the favorite. I get why they're the pretty sizable favorite, but minus 355 is a lot for a team they lost to earlier this year. But despite that, I'm still taking the Ducks. I'm that confident in them. And then I got the Georgia Bulldogs, minus 238. I think anytime you got Georgia in a game, minus 238 in a game they're probably going to win, those are pretty good odds to me. I got the Bulldogs winning. Although it is against Alabama, which I was tempted to yeah. maybe pick Alabama just because they got plus odds, but I think Georgia's too good. I think Georgia beats the uh, Crimson Tide. Yeah, Georgia winning twenty nine straight's a tough, a tough gamble to go against. You know, it it, it doesn't leave a lot to to hope for. Um, I have FSU money line. I think even without Jordan Travis, I think the defense is going to hold on for one more game to get them into the playoffs where. The Georgia Bulldogs will demolish them. Right, where the, the upset will happen. Well, not the upset, but the upset to the fans will happen. And, you know, it, it's just not going to be pretty in the playoffs. But I think they are going to take the playoff spot, and it's not going to be that exciting upset that, that everybody's hoping for. So that was your one college bet, you said? One college bet. All right, so my one NFL bet, it was my last-minute change. I got the San Francisco 49ers money line. I originally had the Eagles with plus odds at home, but much like 
the Rob Font argument that I made. You talked me into the San Francisco 49ers. I think they go in and get the win over the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. So I got the San Francisco 49ers money line. Uh, I don't have the exact odds. I knew it. I think it's like minus 110, minus 120, something like that. But I got yeah, the it's something like that. I also have the 49ers as a bet. Uh, it's a minus, money line minus 155. Okay. Um, I think they're going to win. Like I said before, a healthy 49ers team is a Super Bowl contender. In my mind, it's a Super Bowl champion, especially with the roster they have. Of course, we haven't seen a whole bunch of production from George Kittle this year. But the reason that is because they haven't needed it. Like, glaringly things. George Kittle does things that don't show up on the stat sheet, too. Like, he can. Right. He's, he's a good blocking he's a tight end. He's a great blocking tight end. He, may, he he's opens up lanes guy. for a running back like CMC or a wing route like uh, Debo Samuel he's or He's a team IU. guy, too. He's a locker room guy. Everybody loves him. Like, so, I got Moneyline 49ers, and my last bet is going to be Texans Moneyline over the Broncos. That toss-up of a game, I think with the Broncos not having, like, the most powerful offense, I think the Texans having really the number one through the air offense are going to at least put up enough points to get the job done. Yeah, so I think that is all five of our takes. Our stakes, I'm sorry. Yeah, We that, gave you all 16, 14? 14. I think it's 14 of our takes. Six and five and five. Yeah. So of that's 16. So that kind of wraps that up, and that wraps this episode up of Split Decision, episode 24. Check us out next week. We're going to recap UFC Austin, Conference Championship Week, and Week 13 in the NFL. And we're also going to take a look ahead to UFC Vegas 83, Song Yedong versus Gutierrez in the Apex in Vegas. Be prepared for some leg kicks on that one. See you next week.